Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Today, I'm so excited to host historian and author Deb Hunter. She was telling me a little bit and I said, wait, wait, stop. We got to get everything on tape so we can let everybody know about the wonderful person you are. Give us a brief intro before we dive into um, lots of topics that I'm super excited to talk about. So. Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Tricia. I know you've been kind enough to work around my chemo schedule, and I, I can't thank you enough for doing that. Um, I'm Deb Hunter. I was in corporate America for as a marketing and salesperson for a long time, and then um, went into writing kind of by accident and um, ended up becoming a USA Today bestseller. Then I was diagnosed with stage four cancer and pretty much homebound and came up with a group called All Things Tudor, simply to have something to do. And that group is now the largest Tudor history fan group on Facebook, a mailing list of over 25,000 people. Thank you. and. Um, a, a nice social media following. So um, anyway, that's me <laughs> in a nutshell. So uh, thank you for asking and having me. I have tons of questions now. First off, I sorry for your diagnosis and we'll be pulling for you through that journey. I have a number of friends that have experienced that. So I know how hard it can be. Um, we, we were talking before you said, and I don't, I don't think cancer is ever a blessing, but I hear survivors and people that have gone through the process talk about silver linings, and you alluded to that before, so tell me, and you, you talked about um, that's how you started All Things Tudor, so tell me about that. Well, it was kind of funny in a way, funny, weird, funny. Um, I'd had a surgery and I'm so hyperactive. My doctors were concerned because I had to stay in our condo for like two weeks. I couldn't check the mail. You know, I, I pretty much was homebound. So everybody was real concerned about how they were, <laughs> how they were gonna keep me in. And um, what we ended up doing, my husband said, well, and my best friend also said, do something about this thing you talk about all the time which is history and uh, Tudor history, especially. So we kind of tossed around some names and my husband said, what about all things Tudor? So I looked and the website was available and he said, we'll start a Facebook group. And we started out with 40 people on August 25th of 2019. And as of today, we have 34,500. So wow. yeah. isn't that wild? It's a global group. Uh, they are the nicest people. They literally make my day every day. We have scholars. We have people that just saw becoming Elizabeth. Uh, 
people that have been fans since the tutors, people that have been in love with it their whole life. Um, so it, it's really an interesting group, um, global and, um, dang it, my phone. Um, sorry, I can still I hear you. You're all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a global group, very friendly. Um, they share their travels with us. They share books we're, we're really big on books we have like a 700 member book club so uh yeah you know books are my jam too so i guess i've i found people that have the same historical type interest i do so thank you for asking i, I could talk about it all day well i became a i'm not 100 percent obsessed with the tutors but a little bit obsessed with that time period because what do I have on my screen? Oh, I'm like, what do I have on my screen? It's my paperweight in the back. It looks like a glowing orb for a second. Sorry, oh. distraction, squirrel. Um, yeah, so I, I watched the tutors and I love that. And it's funny though, I went back and tried to watch it again and I was like, wow, this was really bad, like settings. Like the first time I watched it, I loved it. And I thought it looked great. It had great settings. And I went back and tried to watch it. I was like, this is really bad settings. Like, how did I not notice it the first time? But I was just so obsessed with the actors and the story that I, I just ignored all the stuff in the background. And um, yeah. And so I, and Rain is the Netflix series that's based on Mary Queen of Scots that it was in the same time period and kind of joined Queen Elizabeth brings in Queen Elizabeth a little bit at the end of that. So I got obsessed with Rain as well. And that has a little bit of paranormal in it, which is more my my paranormal thing. I also wrote uh, historical fantasy, I guess, about a vampire who was born in that time period. So very near and dear to my heart as well. Although I haven't read a lot of Tudor books. So I want to know about your books. Well, um, I have this kind of started oh my goodness almost 10 years ago i wrote what's become a bit of a cult book you were talking about the supernatural i worked with an astrologer and cast an astrology chart um for what we can only imagine would be the moment Anne Boleyn was beheaded and we worked from there because we don't know when she was born. And what I did was almost like an ensemble book. I took an astrology chart and put a person and what they would have been doing at the time and was executed and how she was feeling. Jane, Jane Seymour was actually trying on her wedding dress, believe it or not. Mm. I know most people don't realize that. So I'm getting chill bumps right now. Sorry. Yeah. Going. Very, very creepy um, to me. And they were second cousins. So it's just all very strange. But so was my book. But it was strange in the fact that people really liked it because it's difficult to write something new about a topic that's 500 years old. So I wanted to do something completely different. And that is what's known as Phoenix Rising. So um but it was that historical fantasy type thing. And my USA Today bestseller went more into the American Reconstruction, but there was a subplot about Tudor England in there. So if I ever decide to do a sequel to that, 
my characters can time travel back to Tudor England. So I kind of left the door open to go into that era as well. Very, so time travel really fits into this historical. So your books are time travel books, am I right? Okay. I have written one, uh, one or two history books. I can't recall right off. Um, but yeah, what happened in 2020, I was asked to do a novel by a publisher. So I was going to finish a history book. And of course, with Kimo Hayes, it's kind of hard to work with all that documentation. And then I had part of a fiction book I'd started. And I thought, well, why not take these two parts and just... <laughs> I love it. Just do, a, <laughs> just do a time travel. So um, that's how it, I'll See You in My Dreams came about. She time travels in her dreams and she keeps a, a diary of her dreams. And the people in her real life are the people that show up in the past. But there's also a man that she doesn't know that shows up in her dreams. And then she ends up meeting him. So it's really kind of a fun weird thing that I did another weird so, thing so she ends up meeting him in present real time oh. yes and but he looks he, like he looked or yeah he yeah. looked um at first she didn't recognize him because he had his hair pulled up and she thought he was a waiter and he was really a rock star you know it happens every day yeah yeah <laughs> I, I meet them on a daily basis I get wedding proposals all the time yeah and so you know how it is and um people think it's written about them I love that that's one of the best things but um yeah she ran into this rock star that she thought was a waiter and um you know ended up being a rock star and the fact that he he was kind of taken with her because she didn't know who he was and um and she was angry she had just had a fight with a person she thought she was in love with so he got to see like the real her instead of like the plastic her that, you know, because she was pretty angry and having a few drinks. So he got to see all that first and they were a lot of fun to write. That and does sound like a lot of fun. It was so, he a musician in her dream as well. Um, I'm asking a lot of questions, but you don't have to give away if it's plot spoilers. <laughs> he was, but in, her dreams he had been a um like a porter and I decided, I'm from Chattanooga Tennessee which is known for trains and the train terminal so instead of doing like the southern riverboat antebellum kind of overworked trope I did something out of Chattanooga with trains and I, as far as I know, I, I don't really recall anything being written about how trains were in the 1800s. It, you know, you either traveled by the river or by train. So um, he was just a, a lowly porter at the, the depot. So he was a musician, you know, just played some music for a little extra money because he was so poor. So in a past life, he'd been completely different than he was in the 21st century so you know how past lives work <laughs> right well and that's a unique thing to have it in her dreams um but obviously it becomes a real life another life for her as well so that, that's true and 
I wanted to come up with something that was paranormal, but hadn't been used before. So, and that's kind of hard to find, really, a way to go into the past. So it was almost like she would look into a mirror and that mirror, when she saw the mirror, if, if you read it, you'll notice before she has these dreams, she's looking into this old family mirror. So that's kind of the trigger that sets off these dreams for her. Okay, but is she asleep when she has the dreams or is she awake? She's asleep. She's asleep, but then she sees the mirror and then she goes into that yeah. time travel. War. Yeah, kind of through the looking glass. Oh, neat. And it's neat that it's a family heirloom because it brings in that historical reference to an, and And you said most of the people in her dream were people that she knew in her present time, except for yes. this one guy. Except for James. She does not know James. So um, he's the only one. So when she meets him, it's like, the puzzle pieces all start fitting together and her life suddenly starts making some kind of sense to her. Because she probably thought she was crazy, right? That she had these dreams every night that just kept going and she lived this other life. And when you wake up, how do you, and if you, did she, I'm assuming she remembered the dreams then? Uh, She keeps a diary of them. Okay. You did say that in the beginning. Sorry. Oh, that's That's okay. That sounds like a really super cool book. I am one clicking that book as soon as we're done here. (laughs) I had a book club get it, I'd say two months ago. And the feedback I got was was so good. And hearing from that many people, um, they were like, you know, I love this. And and it's only like 55,000 words. So, you know, it's not going to take up two weeks of your life, which would be fine if it did but um you know the feedback I got was good because it is original I, I think and I, that wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea of course but um it was fun knowing how many people enjoyed it and saw it for what it was and that blend of history and you know a little bit of paranormal in there and you know and a love story yeah a love story and um and the main character is just a mess. I mean, her personal life is just so screwed up. And it, she was absolutely so much fun to write. And knowing that she finally got a happy ending, that made, made, thrilled me that that happened for her. <laughs> you sound like me because I get so attached to my characters. And I, I, I can cry. Well, I'm a crier anyway. But, like, I can read my books over and over again and still cry <laughs> yes. so to get happy endings for my characters is one of my favorite things as well like, r- remind me a little bit have you read the book the midnight library by matt matt hager i think so in the midnight uh-huh. library um a woman a contemporary woman dies and she doesn't really know if she's really dead or not, but she tries to commit suicide. And then she goes into this library, which is this, it's, it, she's in her mind or in the library, you don't really know. So it's a little bit of paranormal as well. And her librarian from childhood is there and the librarian says, take a book off the shelf and try out another life. And so she keeps taking books off the shelves and trying out other lives. And it takes you through these alternate versions of her life until she gets 
yeah, I won't tell you the end of the story, but similar, but not the same, right? Like sort of. I love same. that. I love that. What a great concept, especially for authors. You know, we're, we're all about the books. So um, that's very intriguing. Right. Yeah. I liked his book. I liked it. I, I think it's an older book. It's been around a while. My friend was like, will you read this already? And I was like, okay, I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> But remind me the title of that one because I'm going to write it down and I want to make sure everybody rem remembers that one. Oh, thank you. It's called I'll See You in My Dreams. I'll See You in My Dreams. What a fitting title. So that sounds amazing. What other books have you written? What do you want to talk about next? Well, my very first one was a contemporary romance, but and there was a little bit of paranormal in there, but it, it was kind of different. Then I did the Amberlynn book. I did a history book and uh, my USA Today bestseller. So that's been my journey so far. Mainly fiction. I'd like to write more history, but um, I have a magazine. So that kind of satisfies my need to write. And it it's a lot easier to write a 5,000 word essay than a 3,000 word book. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you can write a couple of 5,000 word essays by the time you are a 30 to 50,000 word book. <laughs> and it's so difficult writing history because you find these rabbit holes. Well, same with fiction. You know, you get into something and then you discover something else and you go over here for a while and then you pull yourself back and then this bright, shiny thing appears. And, you know, you keep having to keep yourself centered to stay on point but it's easier for me just to do the essays and you know if I'm the boss too I don't have to worry about my deadline <laughs> that sounds like the perfect job why wouldn't you want to do that job yeah I my last or the book that I just it came out this week but it's set in the Aztec empire in 1521 oh. and I did this is I did tons I did the most research I'd done for any book and it's a mythology fantasy paranormal type thing but um yeah I would do the same I would get on these websites about the Aztec people and I just keep going and go and I and I, I just had to stop I'd stop myself and say okay you've learned enough for what you need to learn now you need to go write your book now <laughs> so yeah it definitely you've got it you have got it that's exactly what happens isn't it it's funny and I think I just discovered I might be a little bit of a history buff too because I don't think I thought that about myself but I like learning things and whether it's history or art or culture I just like learning things so I guess that's that's a history buff probably that curiosity is probably what makes a lot of us writers in the first place don't you think we're curious about why people do things or how they react the way they do or you know, telling a story from a different point of view, maybe than our own. So that kind of curiosity is what makes us right. Yeah, that that probably is true. And like wondering what it would feel like or be like to be in a different culture of different time, a different situation, a world where there's magic or time travel or any of those things and how and discovering all those feelings and what you see and what you experience yeah, yeah. So maybe the need for escape just a little bit a lot <laughs> well what else do you want our listeners to know about you 
I have the All Things Tudor magazine. I'm currently working with two editors. One is Dr. Norman Jones, who is a, a retired professor and a graduate of Cambridge in the UK, although he's American. And the other is Terence Hawkins, who founded the Princeton Writers Conference. So I am thrilled to have them as my literary and my history editors. And the magazine's different because we don't just focus on Tudor history, we also focus on Tudor fiction. So books that have been written about it or that were written at the time. So there's, a, it's just a different way of looking at things. That is neat. Oh, yeah, I'm going to definitely look that up. That sounds really cool. Thank you. It It's released quarterly, and we do take submissions. So right now, <clears throat> excuse me, we're working on the September issue, getting it to print, and then we will open up submissions for our holiday issue. Ooh. So, uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have themes all year or just during the holidays? Well, we started out in March, and that was just the first issue. So, you know, yay, something new. Then we did Midsummer Magic for June. That's your jam right there. And September is going to be the Boleyns. Anne Boleyn, her family, because PBS is doing a special called The Boleyns, A Scandalous Family. So we, we won't be tied in with them, but it'll be about the Boleyn family okay. or things that they did, foods they ate, books that have been written about them. So that's going to be our theme for September. Oh, fun. Super fun. And um, my big thing right now is my podcast. I am so thrilled with my podcast. I started it in January and um, I'm just so thankful for all the listeners. I never thought I would have a popular podcast about Tudor history because I am so Southern, you know, <laughs> and it's just a shock to me when I have people say, I heard you and it's, you know, this is a fun podcast. Well, so you have 40,000 people on your all things Tudor <laughs> Facebook page. So all those people are your audience, right? They're your people. And probably well, can bring in a lot more being on a podcast channel. And they are my people and um, they understand me and they know where I'm coming from. And there's a lot of good podcasts out there. There really are. And I'm very thankful that people take the time to listen to mine. It really means a lot. I love listening to podcasts when I'm in the car. That's what I, that's what I do. That's my entertainment or a book. It's a podcast or a book. What is the, is the name of the podcast the same? All Things Tutor? All Things Tutor. How did I get I, that? <laughs> yeah, I know that you win a special prize. So um, yeah, everything is All Things Tutor. There's a Instagram page, Twitter page, then the Facebook group, magazine. You can buy merchandise. Go to www.allthingstutor.com. And the blog's there, books, magazine, merch, it's all there for you. Oh, I yeah, a t-shirt is coming into my life. I know that. <laughs> and I did something different with my t-shirts. Instead of just being, I, I, I made it, of course, about me. And it says lipstick and champagne and all things Tudor. <laughs> nice. I like it. 
do you bring guests on your podcast? Do they talk about history, books, all of the above, I'm guessing? But yes, a lot of authors, of course, because I know authors and, and, and historians that are authors. But I've really been fortunate. I've worked with Alison Weir. I'm, I'm sure everyone's heard of her. She sold more books than any British female. I have worked with Professor Susanna Lipscomb, Dan Jones. You'll see him a lot on the History Channel. Um, good grief. We saw him the other night on something. He's just everywhere, it seems. Um, uh, Tracy Borman. I'm wow. sure you've seen things by her. I'm I'm still just kind of starstruck at the people that have been on my own podcast. And right now I'm working with PBS in, in a way, not for them, but with them to help promote the new series. So most of the historians that are on the blends are going to be on my podcast. Oh, very so cool. You get the reveal. We launched the first one yesterday and I can't believe the response to it. It's been it's been very humbling and I'm very thankful for the support I've been receiving on that. And the historians that were on there were wonderful. We finished recording with everyone today and just what a great group of people. So much brain power. I mean, we're talking Cambridge, Oxford, talking BBC creds. PhDs, more PhDs than I've ever encountered in my entire life. And just the thing is, though, well, New York Times bestsellers, but they are nice people. They are simply nice people. And it's it's really been an honor working with them. That is heartwarming that, yeah, th they're nice people and they're really smart. Yeah, it, it's been fun. Uh, it, you know, you don't think of a bunch of historians getting together and really having a good time, but but we do. It's it's interesting. No, I can totally see it because I started my career in science, and when we would all get together, we would just be a bunch of science geeks talking about science. And my husband would come sometimes. He'd be like, "No, I'm not coming next time because uh, you're with your people. You 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 have fun with your people, and then." We'll see you another time. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Anybody, any group is excited about a subject we'll have tons to talk about, right? And I try to keep my podcast different. Um, I do have the history BA, but my career was something different. So I try to make the podcast more like me. And we talk about the historian's work, whether they're a broadcaster or an author or a professor and we talk about their work as well as talk about them and I, I guess from the feedback I get I bring up the human component of it and like you say we really we all just want to have a good time and um, it's kind of fun I had one email saying I've never heard a historian giggle before <laughs> so um and, and nothing against the people that, you know, there is a place for everybody at the table, really. But I just like to bring my own personality in. And and we really do have a lot of fun doing these. That does sound like it. Very cool. My grandfather, I think, was the one or the first person that instilled 
my love of PBS. So um, I've been watching that channel for a long time. And a lot of people watch that channel, but he yeah. was kind of the first one I remember. My parents probably didn't have time to sit down and watch TV, but when I was with him, he did. So that's what we watched. That well, and my that. Yeah. My <laughs> husband, yeah. My husband is British, so they have a huge component of British television on there. But even before I met him, I would watch those British TV shows. So, um, you know, then I met him. So it's all kind of worked out for us. <laughs> Yes, and I'm definitely telling my mother-in-law about this podcast because she loves all things like Tudor, Anne Boleyn. And I'm sure she's already got it on her record schedule, so she'll be excited as well. It's, it should be really good. I actually have not seen it yet, but it's in three parts. It's going to be like a, a doc. The best way I know how to put it is a, a drama documentary. They talk to historians, so they have what what's known to be documented what we actually do know but then they have actors acting out the parts of the historical figures so it was a huge hit in the UK and I'm anxious to see how it does here because Anne Boleyn's family was extremely ambitious and of course Americans see nothing wrong with being ambitious so I wonder if if it's going to make some people change their mind about her and her family after we see it from that point of view. So I'm, I'm very curious about that. That sounds interesting. That's, yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that because yes, and it makes complete sense to Americans, but maybe to British, that is not a, a positive trait. Yeah, and I, I think it is. I think most people admire people that go for what they want, but I would say that's really more of an American trait than anywhere else because we're we're known for getting what we want and you know being driven and and other people are too but you know that's kind of the American thing. Well, that's how we got here, right? <laughs> because yeah, exactly. We, we, we wanted didn't want something what, better. What was presented us, so we just came and made our own country for better <laughs> or worse, right? Yeah. I, that we can get in a whole ball of ethics and morality there, but we won't go there. <laughs> this is, yeah, skip. Um, this is my favorite question to ask authors slash historians like yourself. What do you want people to get from when, if, whether they're reading your book, reading your magazine, what do you want them to experience from that? I want to give them something new something different um and actually i want people to realize that history isn't just a bunch of dates that they have to memorize that learning history and finding out about history is actually fun so if there was one thing that that would be it that history is fun and definitely sounds like you've made history very fun and it's funny that you said that about you can't believe you're a podcaster because you're Southern. Is it because, like, to me, your Southern accent doesn't sound, sound very Southern, but I'm from Georgia, so I have that context of, yeah. So but I, I love my accent because people said I was cute and I didn't want to be cute, so. Yeah, yeah well, I'm six feet tall, so they're not really going to tell me I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that, but I've actually tried to keep my accent I'm from Tennessee, 
and Tennessee and Georgia have very similar accents, but I have tried, people have along the way attempted to get me to drop it. And I'm surprised I don't sound British because I've been married for 23 years to a British guy. But, um, you know, I like if you met me in an elevator, if I said, how are you? It sounds like I'm British. Or if I get in an Uber, you know, it's like, how are you today? They think I'm British. But then when I start talking, you know, I'm not. So um, I've just decided to keep it. Well, it sounds like maybe you put on your different personas for different cases. Like you don't know the person, you're going to sound British. But if you're more comfortable and you're, you know, when I talk to my sister, I sound more Southern because she's talking Southern. And then I just feed off of her. But that's the only time. So. It is the weirdest thing. I'm so glad you mentioned that because when we are in Tennessee, I have more of a Tennessee accent. I go into that hard Tennessee you know, we say nine and five, and they don't really do that in Georgia. And my husband does that when he goes back to Glasgow. You would think my husband, he sounds like James Bond. He's very polished, very British. He's good looking. And um, then when he goes to Glasgow and talks to his family and friends, he has that Glaswegian accent that sometimes I don't, actually understand what they're saying <laughs> but I'm sure yeah, they don't I, understand me either I'm very much that way so it sounds like yeah I pick up the what I hear and then I mirror yeah. it back so well it's been such a joy to have you and I'm so excited to discover all things tutor.com <laughs> the podcast the Facebook page <laughs> the magazine um, I will be your next fan. So thank you so much for being here and sharing all your work with us. Again, Deb Hunter. And you said you write under a different pen name. Is that true? or I have used the pen name Hunter Jones in the past simply because people tend to pick up books that are written by men. But I've decided that I don't want to use a pen name anymore. I don't have to put on a male persona just to sell a book I can do it as my female self and everything I write now is under Deb okay so Deb Hunter I'll see you in my dreams that's under Deb Hunter uh -huh. awesome so people will find you I'll see you in my dreams USA Today best-selling author thank you for being here I feel so honored I feel like <laughs> I have a star in my living room or my office I guess. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you. And I have had the best time. It's been great talking to you. You as well, Deb. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.